This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. Investor Mindset listeners, welcome back to another amazing episode. I just finished up interviewing Marco Romero, who is an incredible investor, flipper, wholesaler, and so much more. But what I really loved about this episode is that we got into his background growing up in the military and how he ended up going a completely different route and went the entrepreneurship direction where he ended up learning a ton about what it takes to sacrifice but why it's worth it to sacrifice when you have the clear vision in mind of what you're doing and why you're doing it. We get into the idea of self-sabotage and how it actually is the absence of decision and how we can use that when we're doing that in our life to recognize what we really should be doing or what direction we need to be going. And finally, we get into a lot of other really cool stories and some amazing mentors that he's had or learned from, from an author perspective and across the board. So I'm really excited. If you guys end up liking this episode, please do hit that subscribe button so you can get notifications. Make sure to drop us a review on iTunes, written review, head over to YouTube and subscribe. And of course, head to the Investor Mindset Group on Facebook, the Investor Mindset Community, where we continue these conversations every single day on some of these amazing topics about mindset, habits, and success. And for anybody who is really excited about what we're doing, we have a fantastic event coming up that is going to be all online, digital, so anyone in the world can participate. It's called the Investor Mindset Summit. We have over 15 of some of the best investors and mindset experts coming on to speak for two days. And the event's going to be totally free for our listeners. Uh, So make sure you head to theinvestormindset.com and join the Insider Club. That's theinvestormindset.com and sign up. It's totally free to get on the list. And we're going to be inviting all of our listeners to participate in this event for free um, for a live attendance. So it's going to be really fun. And uh, we'll be trickling out some information about some of those great speakers coming up very soon. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am excited today. I have Marco Romero in the studio with me. How are you doing, Marco? Doing great. Excited to be here. Thank you, Stephen. I'm excited too because Marco and his wife Hillary quit, both quit their job back in the end of 2015 and started the real estate journey together. Uh, in 2016, they started two different real estate companies, one Hilco Homes and another Bella Buyers. Um, where in Hilco, they focus on wholesaling contracts and have a team of 11 people. And in Bella, they own over 30 units, all using the power of private money. And this year in 2019, they made their first two multifamily purchases. So they've definitely been on the journey. They have dived in headfirst, and I know they have some killer mindset to share with us. So you ready to get started? Let's do it. All right. Well, you're already well along your real estate journey. So why don't we start out by taking a look back? What events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Oh, interesting. From our childhood. Um, For me particularly, I honestly, it really starts with my parents and particularly my mother. Um, My mom, she got divorced when I was about three or four And then she remarried right when I was about six or so, um, maybe seven. Mm -hmm. And um, 
both my parents, uh, and I consider my stepdad my real dad, but um, both my parents uh, were in the military. So there was a lot of the discipline component. There's a lot of uh, structure and organization and um, just cleanliness and doing things the right way. Your words um, important and, and the fundamental just um, financial responsibility was there too. But I think uh, if you kind of pinpoint in, in, to one item in my childhood, I think actually my my mother brainwashed me, which I didn't really realize that at the time, but she <laughs> brainwashed me to think that I was somebody special and somebody important mm. that could accomplish big things and that I was great and, you know, just um, an amazing person, which, you know, when you're a young, young child, you eat it up and you believe what your parents tell you. And, uh, you know, later on, I realized that, you know, maybe that's not necessarily the case. Um, but it really kind of set me on this um, mindset early on where, you know, if I want to do something, I can accomplish it. I can do these things. And so that was something from my childhood that I would definitely point out for sure. Yeah, wow. I mean, brainwash to believe that you're you're worthy is something <laughs> that seems like it would be really great. And it seems like it would give you a lot of confidence to go out and do some things. What was the fallout of that? It sounds like maybe there's there's a little story there. Well, the fallout, you mean from the negative side? Exactly. Well, um, I think if we progress through my life um, with my parents and, you know, particularly the relationship with my mother, she was a very, um, she's a very strong personality, very, um, very loud, very uh, gregarious, um, you know, great to socialize with. But also, as a mother, she was very controlling. And she wanted me mm-hmm. to go on this path of just, you know, the standard mantra of uh, get good grades, go to a good school, get a great job, those type of things. And uh, in high school, I ended up reading the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a pretty mm. large staple for a lot of people. And it really shifted my mindset in a lot of different ways, particularly about money, but even more so like, what am I working towards? What's the future hold for me? What, what am I trying to accomplish? And um, at the time, you know, I, I was in high school, I still was going down the normal path. I got some new ideas, but I didn't really have the courage or the, um, you know, the strength to kind of push back on the, the trajectory I was already on. I ended up going to college. I pretty much got a, a full ride scholarship. I had taken some college classes in high school, so I was already ahead of the game as far as um, college credits and getting pretty close to graduation. But uh, in my college time frame, I ended up uh, having surgery on both of my legs. One summer I did mm. uh, one leg and the other summer or the following summer I did the other leg. And um, while I was bedridden for you know months and not able to really walk around and such, I just consumed a lot of books, uh, particularly mm. Robert Kiyosaki. I kind of read everything he had at the time, but there was just a lot of books I was reading. And so it really just kind of reaffirmed the, the seeds that I had planted in my mind to kind of take control of my future and, and forge the path that I wanted. And with that, you know, it, it came to a point where I just had to sit down with both my parents and explain, hey, you know what, I don't want to go down the college path. I want to become an investor. I want to be a businessman. I, want to, I don't necessarily know what that looks like, but that's the trajectory I want to pursue. 
And at first they didn't understand and there was a, lo- a lot of clashing uh, around that. Um, but over time, they've come around and we've uh, done deals together and mm-hmm. um, you know, now we have a wonderful relationship. Well, it's so interesting because you, know, you ended up coming from a pretty traditional background with family that was very disciplined working towards a set path. And you had been given all this amazing support, all this support from inside that says, hey, I'm special, I'm amazing, I can do great things in the world. And then when you wanted to do something that maybe was against what the people who kind of instilled that in you, there was some pushback where you didn't maybe feel confident that I could go and do it uh, because you didn't want to kind of lose that feeling of being special, of being amazing. Um, But it's probably really fortunate that you got into that book, that you decided to take the leap and start developing some of that on your own. And, uh, you know, thank goodness that you did because, you know, I just know from your personal story, you've, you've done a lot of business in real estate. You've helped a lot of people. So um, it's good that you ended up not going the traditional path and, and broke away. What gave you the confidence in that moment to break away from the traditional path versus just staying on it? I mean, everyone can read a couple books, but what told you to say, you know what? I'm going to leave and I'm going to go try to figure this out, even though I have no idea what I'm about to do. I actually did it the sheepish way. I, Mm. so in uh, school, high school, middle school, and even in college, college, I uh, progressed more. I lived in the dorms and, you know, socially I kind of blossomed more, but naturally at my core, who I am, I'm a very large introvert. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm comfortable on the computer doing my own thing, but meeting new people, talking to people, standing up for myself, um, being, um, you know, using my voice, um, I was not really the best at it. So at that time in college, and especially given the situation uh, where you know I had these surgeries on my legs and things like that, I was very um, dependent on my parents. And going to college, I knew as I was going there that I didn't want to do it. And just it, it was um, uh, festering almost inside of me to just, I'm in this environment that I don't want to be in. So I passive aggressively fought it. And the way I did that was just start failing, <laughs> not going to class, and not take it serious <laughs> and, uh, you know, get bad grades and such, which was completely out of the norm for me. And, um, you know, that came to a head where eventually they were like, hey, what's going on here? Um, you know, and there have been lots of conversations leading up to it where, you know, uh, can we get back on the right track? And yes, we come to an agreement and we move forward. But, you know, eventually it got to a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. And I was prepared mm-hmm. to pack up all the stuff in my car and live out of my car to figure it out. I was prepared to do yeah. that. I didn't have to get to that extreme. But that was the mentality that I came into it with the conversations that I had with my parents that, hey, you know what, this is a path I'm going to go. And, um, you know, you got to take into account their perspective. You know, my my mother, she's uh, she's Mexican. She's a migrant. She was a migrant farm worker. And my dad was uh, raised in a very small town in Chicota, Oklahoma. And um, the military was their way out of the... Um, lifestyles that they grew up in and um, they had you know the path that they were putting me on was a successful path 
it just wasn't the path that would give me the happiness I want or the level of success that I really wanted to obtain. And it's just a standard mantra that has been taught for generations. And so for me, I'm just pushing against that and I'm basically throwing away my future in a sense. And so that's what and it, in essence, um, brought the conflict. I was just going to say, but you know, in that situation, like you said, those your those beliefs are based on your parents' beliefs, right? And so it, that's one of the tough things is you're growing up and you're starting to kind of develop yourself and your what you actually believe in. You started soaking in some amazing information from Robert Kiyosaki and all these other great authors, but you realize that maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another process that I could live a great life. And, you know, my parents got me here, but where could I go? And it's hard sometimes when your loved ones, they love you. That's the reason why they're pushing you in the direction is because they believe that's the way to success. And we have to just remember that, you know, their beliefs don't have to be our beliefs and we can still love them even if they don't love what we're doing. So that's exactly right. And um, you have to have faith in yourself. And that's ultimately what it came down to. Like, I didn't know what it would look like. But I knew the trajectory I was on was not the trajectory I wanted to continue. And even though I'm going into the unknown and a gray area, um, regardless of what would happen, I could figure it out. And then that goes to our earlier conversation where, you know, I that was like in my brain already. So, But it's such a good reminder for all of our listeners. And I know it's a good reminder for me because I personally fall into this trap, you know, from time to time. But, you know, that where internally we know. At, at our core, we know that there's something that we really want or something that we want to be different or something that we really need. And in this case, that need was for you to go explore and try to figure out the business that you wanted. But rather than just head it, facing it head on, you started self-sabotaging, right? I mean, maybe consciously you thought, I'm going to fail so that they'll yell at me. But m- maybe it was that. But I know in my personal experience, there's been plenty of times where I've destroyed great opportunities because I knew they weren't really what I was going after. And in the end, was the only time that I realized, wow, like I should have seen this earlier. So if you're ever in that pattern, mindsetters, I really encourage you guys to just take a second and step back and think, is this really what I want? And why am I doing this? Or why am I not living up to my potential? Because that'll happen in your business. That's actually huge. That's huge. If you're self-sabotaging, most of the time you know you're doing it. Uh, it's. I think it's probably an extreme rare case where you're self-sabotaging. You're not aware of that. You're not aware that you're hurting yourself in some capacity. And so, if you're aware of it, then you need. You know, there needs to be some sort of self-reflection there. And if the self-reflection has already occurred, well, how can that reflection get to a point where a decision's made? Really, so the self-sabotaging is the absence of a decision. And so for me, once I finally you know, said, all right, I'm making this decision, I am going to do this, it's almost the burning of the ships scenario. You know, I was prepared to live in the car. It didn't get to that point, but I was prepared. I, you know, whatever happened, I was going to figure it out. You have to bring yourself to that decision, which is tough and scary. And you, know, you, might, you feel like you might lose relationships or people might think of you in a certain way or you've been working so hard for all these years on this other thing, you're throwing away all of that past work, past time. But it might uh, still be the wrong path for you, and, and you have to come to the decision yourself. Once you make the decision, then new opportunity can grow from there. Great wisdom. Very, very good wisdom. A lot of takeaways here for me. Learn the hard way. I know, right? And now we can all learn from your experience and be reminded of it so that we don't have to learn the hard way over and over again. True. 
Um, even though sometimes I feel like we have to. Exactly. <laughs> or we just do. But that's that self-sabotage happening, right? Uh, so tell us a little bit what your primary focus is and uh, what is that you work on on a daily basis? Honestly, myself, daily, myself. Yeah. It's taken me a while to realize this <clears throat> and not only that, to remember it. You forget. You get into your the minutia of the day and... Um, you know, things overwhelm you, you know, now I'm married, now I have children, it's easy to kind of just get into routines or um, habits and comfort areas. But ultimately, it all stems from working on yourself. Everything is a tangent from that. Uh, My marriage is a tangent on how well of a husband I am or how well of a human being I am. And same with my children. My children, I have a three-year-old daughter and 11-month-old son, and I'm realizing even more and more, they're teaching me that, um, you know, my, for many, many years, I thought, hey, you know, when I have children, how can I teach them this, like, you know, things that you come across in your podcast? How can I teach them this lesson or this piece of advice or, you know, the, um, you know, something that might be a good habit for them to have? And honestly, that comes from, me being the best version of myself because they're going to learn from my example. Even when I'm not even purposefully, intentionally trying to teach, they are observing and they are absorbing from me, um, just being around me. And so working on myself is something that on a daily basis I do try and work on. Um, and then from a work standpoint, a craft standpoint, uh, real estate mm-hmm. for sure is definitely my number one focus. And what's your, what's your flavor of real estate? What type are you doing? So two aspects. Uh, we do wholesaling, which is basically contracting properties at a discount and then selling our rights on those contracts to an investor for a fee. Um, and then the second one is rentals for cash flow. Because ultimately, we're all mm-hmm. slaves to money. And the way you break that that relationship with money is by generating passive income. And if you can build enough passive income that that covers your needs and wants, in essence, you kind of take control of your time, which is our number one resource. We're not at that point yet. We're working towards that. And um, that's our ultimate goal. And we're we're always trying to increase it, but we're not there yet. And so we're leveraging um, the actions of wholesaling to help us um, not only be able to find potential properties at discounted prices that we can eventually turn into cash flowing opportunities for ourselves, but additionally to raise capital so then we can redeploy into our investments in our portfolio. Sure. So you've built this little ecosystem where you got new properties coming in. You can make monies on the ones that you don't want, uh, and then you can invest that money into the ones that you do want to hold on to for some passive income exactly. long-term for you and the family. Exactly. That's great. So tell me a little bit of this story about when you and your wife were getting started and you had just gotten married and you had a baby on the way, but you guys decided to just quit your jobs. What happened there? Uh, So um, I've been in real estate for 10 years now. And um, I originally started as an agent. And my mentality, and there was a lot of jobs before this, but my mentality was I wanted to become an investor. I wanted to learn how to invest, particularly for passive income. Passive income passive income has always been my goal. Though as an agent, I was really helping other people. It was a great learning experience, but I wasn't really acquiring properties myself. I eventually became a wholesaler individually, and um, this was before I met Hillary, my wife. And I was supporting myself, doing great, doing a lot of deals. 
And I eventually, um, I was selling a lot of deals to a particular company and they eventually asked me to run their acquisition team. So that was a decision there. I was already independent, always self-sufficient, already kind of like I owned my own business. Um, and I made the decision to join a company and be an employee again of sorts. Um, so that was a decision. But right around that time is when I met Hillary. So I ended up working at this company. Hillary kind of... Um, had the same, she was brought up similarly in the sense that her parents really guided her on this, get a good, you know, go to school, get good grades, go to, go to college, get a good job, invest in your 401k, you know, that kind of thing. She was on that path. Mm -hmm. She actually didn't really know much of other options. That was just what she was taught. I ended up working at this company for about two years. Hillary and I have been dating for a while now at this point, and we got to a point where we decided, well, I proposed to her. So, hey, will you marry me? She said yes. <laughs> uh, but we got to a point where she realized that she wasn't happy at her job. And I said, you know what? Quit your job. I'll, you know, I'm making good money. I'll support both of us. And um, you, know, you can kind of figure out what you want to do and figure out your happiness from there. Because all the while we were dating, you know, I'm really trying to teach her new concepts, help her explore other opportunities and, and different mindsets, that kind of thing. Well, <clears throat> we had our honeymoon, honeymoon not too long after our wedding, about a month later. In between the wedding and the honeymoon, we found out that Hillary was pregnant. So that was a, a nice surprise mm. uh, in a lot of ways. So things got real, real quick. Um, we ended up going to our honeymoon, which was the Bahamas. We were there for a week and it was an, we paid for an all inclusive, uh, resort place where you could drink as much liquor and booze as you want. It, there was a bar in our room and they told us, they walked us in, gave us a tour. And then they showed us the bar and they said, you could drink every bottle empty every night and we will come in and fill it full for you every single day. Yet mm. Hillary couldn't touch any of it being pregnant. Yeah. So <clears throat> we at the resort, there was two pools. There was like <laughs> quiet. If you want to sit down and read and relax, peaceful pool. And there's like uh -huh. a fun pool where music's bumping and there's lots of people, a lot of things going on, a lot of drinking, uh, cannonballs. Yep. We were at the fun pool. Um, so I'm, I'm actually at the fun pool. We're at the fun pool. I was still reading. I was actually reading the four hour work week, which was another great book, another, uh, mindset change book. And while I was reading it, mm -hmm. I was just reevaluating the position that we were in. Hey, now I'm married. Hey, now we have a kid on the way. And I'm at this job where I really, I really believe in a lot of the, um, the mission of the company. That's why I chose to join it. I really believed in the, the owner, the CEO at the time too. Um, but what I was realizing was they were always wanting more and more and more from me time-wise to accomplish more and push, you know, try and break the next record and, you know, a new high for the month or for the quarter or whatever. So I was never going to fully control my time and my money. I might be able to control one or the other uh -huh. working at this business. And with that happening, and with a new family coming along the way, I knew ultimately when I project forward 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, that's not going to be like the life that I want. I want to have control, full control of my time and my money so I can be there for my family. And so then I mentioned to her um, while I was reading it, I paused, I looked at her and I said, I'm going to quit too. And she, you know, <laughs> there was a moment where she paused, you know, and then she said, okay, you know, and let's do it. 
And so that was like in October 2015. We just got married. We had a baby coming and we both quit our jobs at the same time. And we said, you know what? Uh, the holidays are coming up. We got Thanksgiving, Christmas. We'll kind of take it, you know, slow on the holidays, focus on family and those type of things. And then January 1st, 2016, we're going to hit the ground running. So that was a transition, probably the mightiest transition of both of our lives. It was scary. It was um, overwhelming. It was very uncertain. It was exciting. And um, it was a great way for Hillary and I particularly to start our lives together and start our family together. That is such a story of faith and belief that you could actually make it through the other side because you're in one of the most kind of formative times when you're first getting married, you have a kid on the way, stability, financial stability, especially is pretty important during that kind of a time. And you decided to just jump in with both feet. What made you what made you realize or what were you thinking that made you believe that I can do this? Well, it, it wasn't so hard for me because prior to working at this company, I was already supporting myself uh, being a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. So I already knew I could make the money and I could make the deals happen. I had all the knowledge and you know that wasn't a problem. The problem was getting Hillary to believe and you know she really trusted in me. Uh, to guide us. So that was a big component. And, you know, there were definitely times where it was tough. We, you know, we had deals lined up and they all fell through or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, we were definitely tested in a lot of ways. And it definitely is not easy once kids are in the picture for sure. Um, But we've always supported each other and we've always tried to focus on communication. And, um, you know, we were both the kind of people that will buckle down and do whatever we you know whatever it takes to make it happen. We we sacrificed a lot especially from a time perspective initially just to hit the ground running and really make it happen. So ultimately, you know, I knew that we could do it. Um, up until this point I hadn't collected any or I hadn't purchased any rental properties even though I had helped so many other people do that. So that was a that was a faith mm-hmm. element for me because I wanted to make sure we started building a portfolio. But that's what's so great about making sure you pick the right partner. If you have the right partner in life, that's probably your biggest decision in life. If you can pick the right partner, then it can go a long way and can really blossom together and synergize together. That's a really big idea right there. You know, Whether you're talking about partner in life or partner in business, the people that you have around you are so incredibly important. And if you wouldn't have had that right partner, none of this would have probably been able to come together the way that it did because I know that you guys work so closely together and uh, built this business. So yeah, we're together all the time, totally. So so tell me, uh, why do you think you've succeeded in this industry when so many others haven't? Fundamentally, I work harder than most people, and I'm willing to sacrifice more than some people. Most people, like I. When I was wholesaling originally, it wasn't easy for me. There was a time where I actually didn't own a, a microwave for almost two years because I didn't have the money to buy one. Um, wow. You know, I didn't go out with my friends. I wasn't, uh, I didn't go get a girlfriend, any of that stuff. I sold my TV. It was weird because, you know, my friends would come over and they'd be like, no TV. Um, <laughs> And a lot of people just didn't understand it. And I went through and sold all my stuff actually more than once as much as I could. And 
you know, I, I was willing to do that. Uh, and I was willing to stay up late and wake up early and do whatever I could. And a lot of those, you know, times where you're working, it's not necessarily the most productive, especially in the early stages, you don't really know what you're doing. But what you really are doing is building a discipline, which some people never learn discipline mm. uh, for themselves. Um, you're also learning habits that um, if you strengthen the habits, they only propel you more and they compound over time. And um, you start learning. And as your skills improve, mm -hmm. your productivity increases. And as your productivity increases, then things actually happen and you make more money and things of that uh, nature occurs. Um, but that's what I would say. Too many people, they're not willing to give up the Netflix or they're not willing to give up that Thursday happy hour or they're not willing to give up you know, I was willing to give up time with my girlfriend at the time, which was Hillary. She didn't get it sometimes. I'm like, no, I don't want to go out and do whatever. I'm, I need to work today. It's Saturday. You know, that's a new concept to some people, working on the mm -hmm. weekend. So um, that's what I would attest it to. And the reason, that I would, the reason I would say I have that is because I wanted more than what my reality had. Like what my present condition was, my pain in my present condition was more than um, it was more than what I wanted to achieve, and I, the what I wanted out there in the world was a lot uh, more than what I had, and I was willing to fight for it, and I wasn't willing to give up for it. That was the the learning lesson that I had back in the day that we referenced earlier, which is I kind of let my my present trajectory kind of dictate the motions of the future and what I was going to do. And I said, you know what? No, I'm going to mold what occurs in the next month, the next quarter or whatever. And so that's where it comes from. That is so huge right there. That is so huge. You've, you found pain in your present circumstance and you used it to propel you into your future vision. And you didn't let the challenges that you were facing hold you back. Because, you know, when you're dating somebody and you love them and you care about them and they're asking you, why the heck are you going to work on a Saturday? What are you talking about? People literally think you're crazy or, or, or why would you even do this? But when you have such clarity on what you're working towards and why you're doing it, you know that what decision you have to make in those moments. Totally. Actually, something that really uh, stuck with me at that time was... Um, if you look up on YouTube, uh, Tony Robbins kind of explains the story of Sylvester Stallone. And it's actually a really cool story of like what leads up to him making Rocky. And there's like some wonderful mm -hmm. elements within that entire story. He had to sell his own dog at one point, which, you know, that's kind of a crazy scenario. Um, yeah. But there's a, a moment in that that kind of stuck with me where he said, um, you know, a lot of people came to him while he was struggling and not making it and didn't have very much money. And they asked him, like, why don't you just go get a job and like stop the suffering? And he said, I wouldn't, I didn't want to get a job because I didn't want to quench the fire in me, the fire of like, I know I can, you know, become an actor. That was his goal. And um, he didn't want, that was like his signal to give up. And I had my own version of that where I was an agent, but I was like barely making it. I had asked my parents for money, or I was mm -hmm. when I first started wholesaling. I didn't know what I was doing. I was barely making it. I was wholesaling deals, working months to just get a thousand bucks. And I remember that. And so I could have easily gotten a job 
prior to me uh, getting into real estate, I was a um, I was a floor manager and a bar manager at one of the prominent restaurants here in San Antonio, Papado. And you know, I ran a whole team, and I you know, I was very knowledgeable, and I did well in school. It would have been hard to get a job anywhere, but I knew that if I did that, I was giving up on the dream that I had, where I wanted to be an investor, I mm-hmm. wanted to be a businessman. So I kind of used that to kind of inspire me to not give up. And even though times got difficult, um, that, that was something to, I didn't want my fire to get quenched either. I like that. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story with us. So on a similar note, how would you define success and what is success to you? Uh, I think success is tied to happiness. If you can um, focus on designing a life where you're happy, then you are successful. And that encompasses uh, not just the business aspect and the money aspect. And that was that was my original focus. You know, I'm trying to make X dollars. You know, I'm trying to officially become a millionaire. And um, you know, life is so much bigger than money. And actually, it's kind of funny when people get you'll you'll see the very high level people that have lots of money. Money is like it's like the least important thing to them. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, having a good uh, relationship, building a family, building, uh, growing and teaching and guiding children that you're going to be proud of and that you know can um, go to even higher heights than you. You know, fulfilling your life with um, the relationships of quality people, like-minded individuals, or supportive individuals in your life. And you know, Jim Rohn kind of says an interesting thing where. Life is just like a collection of experiences and your goal really truly is to increase the frequency and the quality of those experiences. And so, um, you know, just trying to design a life that will be fulfilling for myself, my wife and my family and anybody else that, you know, is in our realm of influence. And, you know, that's what it's all about. I love that. I love that so much. And with that definition, I know we're all on a journey, but do you feel like you're uh, successful? I'm definitely successful compared to where I've been, but there's still so much more I want to do. So I'm happy. Uh, ultimately, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with the person that I've become. You know, I had a lot of challenges that we referenced at the beginning with my family and my mother, but those challenges and you know the things, mm-hmm. even though I don't agree with, made me who I am, and I'm very happy with the person I am. And I tell my parents that all the time. Um, that they helped create who I am, and I'm very pleased with myself. And uh, even though I'm happy, I'm not content. And there's still a lot of things that um, you know I want to explore and places I would like to be and uh, explore it with my family. You really just pointed out something that I think I I want to underline for listeners is that you the the situations growing up in your life that maybe weren't perfect or maybe didn't go exactly the way that you wanted them to or that maybe you want to change for your own family are things that you can actually appreciate because they help make you who you are and so you know Margo I appreciate you you outlining that and reminding us that because sometimes we can get caught up in those old stories but those old stories are the reason that we are the man or woman that we are today and we are grateful for that so on a habits perspective, what are some of your keystone habits? The things that you do on a daily or weekly basis that lead to a good life? Reflect. I reflect a lot. Um, I, <clears throat> I I realize that I try and like uh, force other people to reflect with me. So I'll like have my team do it or my wife um, do it um, with me, but they're not always at the frequency level that I like to do. Um, but what I basically mean by reflecting is just like sitting down, you know, where, where am I currently at? 
what's going well, what's going not so well, what am I trying to go towards? Uh, the, what goals am I trying to go towards? Are the goals that I had in place, are they still the same goals that I'm trying to pursue? And um, doing that consistently is great. I do it at a minimum once a week. Um, and this was actually a big component for me when when that whole shift changed with Hillary and I. Because remember, this was all tied to 2016, the first of 2016. So I created a resolution document and really, which is like writing down all your goals. And I had written goals down mm-hmm. like a million times before. Every book you read, every seminar mentions that. But I actually put it in a Google Drive document. So it was more of a living document rather than a piece of paper you write everything on and put it in a drawer somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then I just review that document every single week and look at um, where we're at, where we're going, tweak things, delete things, or even things I'm like, hey, you know what? I tried to get that done in 2019. You know what? That's not a reality for 2019. Maybe now it's 2020 goal or whatever. And so being able to reflect, uh, review, um, just think things over again, allow you to adapt, change, mold, tweak, and uh, move continuously in the direction of your ultimate destination and your ultimate destination is always going to be moving and tweaking as you change as a person. So that would be my big habit, I would say. That's a great, that's a great habit. Reflection is, is so important, especially to make sure you're heading on the right path. So we've made it to my favorite part of the show, the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So tell us what's a book that's, so tell us what's a book that's impacted your life the most or one you're excited about right now. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Definitely. Uh, I know it's a really popular one. I don't, you know, I don't always like doing the popular thing, but really it's that great. And sometimes it's not just the first read that gets you. It was really the second read that really kind of got me going mm-hmm. on it. Um, there's a, a bunch of great books. Four Hour Work Week was another uh, important one for me. The Five Love Languages is a great fundamental book for relationships. Uh, Hillary actually made me read that at the beginning of our relationships. I didn't get a choice, mm-hmm. but it was a good one. Um, actually one that I'm interested in, uh, in reading is one from Maria Montessori. I haven't read that one yet, but I want to, I really want to be the best example for my children. And so I want to learn just kind of how to, how to think not only as the, the father or the parent, but also to think from their perspective and, you know, what's uh, important to them and how to, you know, in, inspire them and help them grow, but at the same time, help them, um, enjoy whatever phase that they're in and, and me as a parent enjoy whatever phase that they're in so that um, they can actually enjoy being a child and not necessarily push to you know the aspirations that adults can put on them nice nice that's great so from an inspiration standpoint who are some of your mentors the people that you learn from and looked up to and how have they influenced your career definitely my parents to start out with um i was uh, I was a very obedient kid, so uh, you know, looking up to them and just trying to do them well was always great. In in life, I never really had too many mentors. Um, I guess I looked when I worked for that company. I kind of looked up to the guy that was running that company at the time, but I really kind of just did my own thing. Actually, something that I really like to do is like a pseudo way of getting mentors. I guess is uh, reading biographies. So I've read a lot of different books, and then I realized that actually biographies are really mm-hmm. great, and especially if they're autobiographies. But uh, biographies are like a wonderful way to just kind of learn from the great individuals, or even you know, 
some some people that are maybe not the best people in the world and kind of learn from where they went wrong and think how things went uh, incorrect. But I mean, mm-hmm. like Alexander the Great has like some amazing stories and died at like thirty three or whatever. But um, you know, reading biographies is a great way. Definitely learn about Alexander the Great. That's awesome. He has some like some crazy ass stories. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll uh, I'll have to I'll have to read that. I find that you learn so much from other people's experience, and so autobiography. What a great way to get into someone else's head because they actually wrote it down on paper for you. So finally, my final question here is from a purpose perspective: What drives you to live your best life every day? I want to be the best me. Like I get one life, so why would I not try and make it the best life that I can? Uh, that's I mean. Fundamentally, it makes, I mean, it's just logical. I love that. I love it. You say it with such certainty. I can tell that you know it, you believe it. It's at your core. So thank you so much for being with us today, Marco. Where can people find out more about you and get in touch? Well, first off, I appreciate being on here. And this was actually a very, very fun conversation. So I'm glad to be a part of it. And uh, people can find me, honestly, just on social media, Facebook, uh, Marco A. Romero is how you can find me on Facebook. Our company is Hilco Homes. You can find me there. And then on Instagram, Marco A. Romero, or my tag is actually a Mako Mello. And if you message me in either of those spots, I can definitely connect with you. Well, this has been fun. Look forward to the next time uh, we get to do this again. Totally. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club, where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.